Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM, Fight Nation, channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I present two great interviews. First, in response to the conversation you heard yesterday with the villain Marty Scurll, NWA World's Heavyweight Champion Nick Aldis gives his side of the story ahead of their match at the NWA Crockett Cup. And we hear from one of the true pioneers of the women's revolution. She makes her return against Tessa Blanchard at Impact Wrestling's Rebellion, Gail Kim. Joining us right now, Bully, is our NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, Nick Aldis. Nick, how are you today? Hey, thank you, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> it's, nice, it's, it's nice that you're starting off on the uh, on the back foot as usual with usual backpedaling because I heard the show yesterday and I heard what you had to say after Marty got off the phone. So it, it, it's uh, believe me, I understand that you're saying a token thing now because I'm on the phone. But um, we can we can cross that bridge when we come to it. But uh, yeah, I appreciate you giving me the time. Well, thank you for coming on. I guess bully. No, 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 no. Bully. I'm, la- I'm laying out on this oh, one. You, bully, bully, help me, help me. No, tag no. In, tag in, tag in. No, I'm laying out here. I said what I had to say. Now, Dave, you can talk to, to Nick. Well, Nick, I, we started the show today talking about your match with Marty Skrull on Saturday at the Crockett Cup. You can watch it on Fight TV for the NWA Championship. And I said at the start of today's show, that coming off of the interview that we did yesterday, Marty Skrull, huge star. There's no doubt about it. I'm a fan. No doubt about that. Extremely popular. But I think when it comes to the NWA championship and the heritage of this NWA championship and the way that this championship should be carried, I've made it clear to our fans that I think you are the right man for the job. And you've proven that. And I think you are the man that's not only going to give a nod to the nostalgia to the NWA, but move this company forward than you. You are the best example of that. I've made that clear, Nick. I know. I Listen, you ain't telling me anything I don't already know, LaGreca. I know who I am. Okay, what I have, let me tell you what I have issue with. Marty gets on the gets on the horn with you two yesterday, and he, he drops a couple of things, drops a couple of facts. Hey, look, you know, it feels real because it is real, Okay. Yeah, with 15 years in the making, this match in itself is a year in the making because my first foray into Ring of Honor, by the way, I walked in there straight into a top angle, walked in there like I own the place. But my first foray into that company was to witness Marty in his first world championship opportunity. Okay, so this goes back over a year. But let me tell you what I have issue with. Marty talked about how this event in Concord has smashed the box office for the last event held at that same arena. He's right about that. What he failed to mention was that Marty was on that show. The only difference, the major difference in terms of what was on the bill, what was on the ticket 
from the beginning when tickets went on sale is me and the NWA and the world's championship that I've brought back into prominence. So he wants to talk about box office. He can go there. And yes, it has, it has beaten the box office. It has beaten the growth for NWA 70. And a lot of people said, oh, is this, it's just Nick, is this because of Cody? Well, I was the challenger for that event, whereas the champion are all in. So people can slice it any way they want to fit their hipster narrative because they like the Hot Topic shirts and their bullshit from the last few years. But the reality of the situation is, is that I know who I am and I know what I bring to the table. Ten years ago, ten years ago, I had my first TV main event with Sting and the ratings in the UK went up 50%, five zero. Okay, that was 10 years ago. I am not new to this. Okay, I'm young, but I'm a veteran. All right. So when you and here's what I take issue with. Marty gets off the phone and you two guys, you start you, you start spitballing about, yeah, you know, well, maybe at one point Marty looked up to Nick. And in the, in the last few years, like Marty's had more of the oxygen. That's absolutely true. And I've made that very clear all the way around. I've, I was inspired by him when I wasn't sure where I was going to go, where I was floundering. Okay, but. Here's what you said, LaGreca. You said that Marty Skrull and Nick Owens are in different leagues. Different leagues is what you said. Now, let me explain why I think that that's slightly exaggerating and why I think that your fanboyism of any wrestling that's been relevant in the last five years is clouding your judgment for the reality. Because I beat Sting. I made Sting tap out in the middle of the ring on a pay-per-view when I was 26 years old. I've beaten AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Kurt Angle, Bobby Roode, Jeff Hardy. Okay, I'm the guy who smashed the glass ceiling for British professional wrestlers all over the world. Whereas before that, nobody was talking about the booming UK independent scene. And oh man, there's so much great talent coming out of the UK. We used to sell out. We used to be in packed out buildings every night in the UK, but we just didn't have Twitter, so no one knew about it. Okay. But after I smashed the glass ceiling and became the first British-born world champion of a major promotion, no disrespect to Nigel McGuinness because he won the Ring of Honor World Championship. But let's be real. At that time, Ring of Honor was a regional independent promotion in the Northeast. I won it on national television, cable television, prime time, Jeff Hardy, and 120 countries around the world. That was me, Dave. I did that. Okay? So when you want to talk about different leagues, Come back to me when Marty has a resume that reads like mine. What do you got, uh, Dave? If I, I, well, let me retort because <laughs> I brought sound effects. I obviously, I heard you yesterday dropping sound effects like you were some '90s shock jock. So I went, you know what? I can answer that. If we want to live in the '90s, we can live in the '90s. '90s was a good decade, but no, Nick. Honest to God. And I think Bully, and whether Bully, if you want to still continue to lay out or not, when we talked about other leagues, we were not talking about the resume, titles, you know, what goes on in the ring. That's not what we were, were talking about. Yeah, you were, you were talking about T-shirts. Rick, yeah, yeah right, hey, give the devil to you. He sells, he sells a shitload of T-shirts. He sells a lot more than I do. But, hey, I, I, dare, to, I dare say that he probably sells a lot more than Bully, but I don't think Bully's about to go and admit that he's in different leagues to Marty Skrull. Uh, agreed, Nick. Let me ask. Wait, 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 you. wait a second, bully. No, no, I want to no, ask. No, my... no, no. I want to. I want to continue okay. to. I want to continue okay. this conversation because I just. Yes. I just want to make it clear in the fact you, that I understand what you're talking about. That you're talking about economic impact. Yes, okay? we were talking about yes. stardom. I but yes, listen, stardom, Nick, economic impact. Let me tell you about economic impact, okay? Because economic impact on the wrestling business can come in many forms, Dave. 
yes, as an individual, yeah, you can point to how many T-shirts you sell because you can get a bunch of hipsters to buy a T-shirt. That's great. That's really good for you. It's really good for your bottom line. But what do you bring to the bottom line of an entire company? What do you do long term yes! to help build, build a brand and build an organization over a long period of time? What have you done for television, sponsors, affiliates? Okay, all of those things over the years. I know about those things because I've had positive economic impact that goes way deeper than just how many T-shirts somebody sells. And, I, and Nick, I agree. So you're judging me on one answer for one question. You're completely taking it out of context. No, I'm not taking it yes, out of context. Yes, you are. You, you're the one who took it out of context because you said that we're in different Yo, and You are. When it comes to popularity, when it comes to like what's, what's trending and what's new. Like I mentioned in the interview and I mentioned after the interview, my daughter, who's 15 and her friends in high school they have the Marty Skrull theme on their you know on their ringtone on their I phone know, and they have this but yeah, that's what I was talking about great. Nick that's, that's what great. I was talking I, I, about I, I'm, that's why I'm working with Mike because I'm a businessman Dave that's why I'm wrestling him in the main event of this show and that's why this show is doing big box office and, okay? that, and Nick but I the started the show when Marty was on when Marty was at that arena by himself or with, with, with anyone else on that Ring of Honor show the box office wasn't as strong okay <laughs> So you want to talk about popularity, it comes in many forms, okay? Because Agreed. at the end of the day, Dave, this business is built on conflict and it's built on yin and yang, okay? It's not just fanboy, dream match booking, like, oh, my favorite wrestler against my other favorite wrestler. Sometimes you have to have the balls and the courage to be the guy on the card that people want to pay to see get beat, and that's me. And, there's, <laughs> and, and, and you're 100% correct. I love that line. That was great. Awesome. Bravo, Nick. And Nick, I said I started to today today's show, and we have a lot to talk about, a lot of news to cover. And Bully will tell you, I started the show today saying that I think you are the best representative for what I feel is the greatest wrestling title of all time. So yes, the conversation that we're having after Marty, I was talking about stardom and I was talking about merchandising and everything else. And you're absolutely right as far as box office and what you bring to the table when it comes to dollars and cents. But what I really do care about is the heritage of the NWA and that title. And I said to Bully, and I made it clear to the nation that the person who I want as the representative of the NWA championship is Nick Aldis because you respect. You sit with a Dory Funk Jr. You sit with a Harley Race. And you're also moving this company and this championship forward because, quite honestly, Nick, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be talking about the NWA at all. You know, no, Dave Lagana can make the best ten. I'm glad that you recognize that. Dave Lagana can make the the most beautiful ten piece, you know, ten minute beautiful production piece on YouTube. If Tim Storm's your champion, nobody's gonna care. But if it's Nick Aldis is your champion, people are gonna watch it. Now, when it I'm comes, glad, to, well, I appreciate your candor. It's just, I, this is why I took umbrage with the fact that you that you referred to Marty and I as in different leagues because there are a lot of different things that go into that pot, Dave, and. You know, you don't. Wait, wait, I've got a, I've got a very healthy ego, okay, and I've got no, I've got no problem admitting that. So when it gets challenged, I'm going to come back and bite. And when it comes to the fanboy comment, Nick, I got to be honest with you, I, I wear that with pride because at the end of the day, I oh, am I a fan. You, I'm not somebody that sits and, and and dissects the show and says and you know and tries to just destroy it. I always wear my fanboy hat first because that's the foundation of what pro wrestling is. I understand that, but I'm just telling you that you're blinded by a false narrative that gets put up there about a certain era of wrestlers and wrestlers in this, in this modern era, okay? And sometimes it's a marathon, not a sprint. 
All right. Something that's hot right now is hot right now. But ultimately, if you have to have staying power in this business, then, yeah, you go through peaks and troughs. Yeah, you have periods where it's like surfing. You know, sometimes you want to you can catch every wave if you want. Or sometimes you have to swim out for a little bit longer to find the right wave. And that's what I did after my time at TNA came to an end and things didn't work out where I thought they might. And then the right opportunity came along, and now I caught that wave. And I, I would put it to you and anybody else. I don't know anyone who could have done what I've done in the last two years. No, and, and when you go back, when I look back over the legacy of my career, this is the thing I'm going to hang my hat on. Okay, not my time in TNA, not beating Sting, Jeff Hardy, Kurt Angle, AJ Styles, and the like, not main eventing on pay-per-views and television in 120 countries. What I'm going to hang my hat on is this, and I'll tell you something else. Uh, let, let, let me explain why I think Marty thinks he, I'm insecure about those things. I'm, I'm not. I'm healthily envious. I'm constructively envious of the things that he's good at and the things, he, the things he's had success with. Let me tell you where I think he's envious of me. This little show called All In last year, where this was supposed to be a big celebration of a certain type of wrestler. This was supposed to be this big crowning moment for... The indie guys, the guys who love, you know, who who don't fit a certain mold, and blah blah blah. And all Pentagon was on that show. Kenny Omega was on that show. Chris Jericho was on that show. Rey Mysterio was on that show. Okada and Marty Skrull were on that show. What's the first match everybody talks about when they talk about All In? I know the match that I talk about, and that's Cody and Nick Aldis. Right. And 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 who was I? These are the same guys that oh, he's cookie cutter because he's got a good body and he makes us feel bad about ourselves when we look in the mirror. So we we have to pretend that we don't like him as much. That's, and the point is that that's what eats him up is that when I got back, when, when I was given that opportunity and that spotlight, I smashed it, knocked it out of the park. And it's now it's the, it's the defining moment of that show. And it's a defining moment of the business in 2018. And it's a defining moment of the business in this modern era. I do say that uh, Marty Skrull has much better T-shirts than you do, though. Good. You go buy some. You can go, go, go be a go be a mark and get the, get all the t-shirts you want. It, I'm I'm glad you do, because Nick. at the end of the day, it's all helping the wrestling economy. But I'm what I've proven that I can do is I can get people to buy pay per view and an ass every eighteen inches. Nick, everything that you're saying is is great and it makes sense and it's a great counter to what Marty had to say yesterday. Um, I just want to ask about the relationship when when Marty talked about your friendship from the early days and all the way up until right now, he always believed that you treated him, you know, like that little brother or the sidekick or the guy that walked one step behind him. Do you really treat him that way? Or is that just his perception? He talked about, he made the comment about how I said to him, you don't need a, a world championship. You know, you're an attraction. You're a Roddy Piper. And I do believe those things. But I told him those things to console him after he didn't win the Ring of Honor championship. Okay? I never said that to him as a way to deflect him from challenging me for, for the real world championship. Okay? I just told him that as a way to encourage him. Because when he has things that he doesn't know about, when he has things that make him unsure of himself, and he, because... He does. He's very neurotic. He does have some issues when it comes to that. He does have a self-confidence issue sometimes, which is surprising when you see who he is and how much talent he has. But more often than not, the person he turns to is me. Okay, so yes, I've been that advisor to him. And, and, and conversely, there have been times where I've turned to him for advice. Hence, like, when, when, I've, when the, the beginning of the sort of 
of, of my this period of my career, this resurgence of my career, whatever you want to call it, renaissance, really started when I went to the same guy that did Marty's villain vignettes, and we did a bunch of vignettes for me, and they ended up and they ended up being used on House of Hardcore for, with Tommy Dreamer. Okay, that was the sort of catalyst for what then became the National Treasure character and everything like that. So it, it, I'm absolutely aware of the fact that there was a time where where the, the dynamic shifted, and I found myself being inspired by what he had done because he was in complete control of his destiny because he had created his own character and something. I was different because I got signed to a deal when I was 21, you know? So I was always at the, I was always at the whim of someone else. And then by the time I got to like 26, 27, and I became a top guy. I, I was not prepared for the politics I was going to have to deal with all these people, all these sharks trying to stab you in the back and sabotage you at every turn. Okay. So I, I had to learn those things as I went, but then once I came out, what came out on my own, I wasn't as prepared. Whereas he had had years and years of, of being self-reliant, you know, and I, I didn't have that. I wasn't used to that. So I had to catch up, but I caught up pretty quick, you know, and now here we are. So that's, that's the reality of the situation that I was inspired by his success. And I was inspired by it because he was in complete control of his destiny. You want to know who, who he turned to when he was presented with the option of joining the bullet club? He asked me, and I gave him I gave him the pros and the cons, and I said I don't think you need it, but I think that you can make it better, you know. So I, I've got my I've got my fingerprints, my influence on a lot of his career, and conversely, Nick Nick, in listening to you speak, you sound so passionate about this, and you sound you sound a little pissed off, and I, I don't often see you or hear you pissed off. It sounds like you cannot lose this match. It sounds like it would actually really, really bother you if you were to lose. It would. I mean, of course it would. Because I've got, I've got a, uh, this is all part of a long-term plan, okay? I've got, there are so many irons in the fire for the NWA right now that for me to lose the World Championship at this point would be a, a, a disastrous in, in certain elements. It would be it would be helpful in other elements. I'm not suggesting that Marty can't carry the load. I'm just saying I want to be the one doing it. I'm not saying it's going to make any difference to the NWA whether there's going to be benefits, there's going to be some pros and some cons, like any like any world champion is to any promotion. But I'm saying for me personally, I want to be at the forefront of this because I've built this stuff. Okay, so yes, I do take it personally. And as far as I don't want to lose to anyone, I was devastated when I lost to Cody, but I turned it around. And I'm and I'll be equally as devastated if it happens this this weekend. But I don't think it's going to. You know, Nick, you mentioned our interview with Marty Skrull yesterday, and I know you listened to it. But to remind the Busted Open Nation, and I definitely want to get your thoughts on this. I want to just play a little snippet of what Marty had to say about your match with him this Saturday. So, uh, Nick, it's his role. He loves to make out that I'm. I wouldn't necessarily say below him, but he loves to put himself ahead because you know he has been this big brother figure to me or a father-like figure but I think the truth is I said this before as well I said this at Ring of Honor I think the truth is Nick's actually got an insecurity because he knows that how big of a star and attraction I am and if I do take that belt from him which I plan on doing where I can take the end of it from there I can take it to places that it's never been before places that Nick can't do and I think there's a part of him that hates the idea. As good of friends as we are, I think there's a big part of Nick that hates the idea that I could take the NWA World title from him, which 
I think really defies Nick as not only a wrestler but a person, but I could take that belt away from him and I can make it bigger and better than it's ever been before. And I think that deep down really frustrates Nick. Well, there's a there's a couple of things from what Marty said on our interview yesterday. One about you and the championship being one. I think that's absolutely correct. I think right now when you think of that NWA championship, at least for me, you think of Nick Aldis, and I think that's an extreme positive. And I don't think Marty Skrull will look at that championship the same way that you do. But do you think that Marty could take this NWA championship to different heights than you're capable of doing? He can take it to he can take it to different places, but if he's if he's claiming that he can take it to bigger places, I take issue with that. And here's why: because you guys, uh, you know, and and Marty and all these, they, they it's a you live in a very myopic bubble, okay? Because the fans that are left are very concentrated, and they and they are they they spend a very high dollar amount per head, and they and they're very passionate about the guys they like and the guys they don't, okay? But the reality is, is that there are a whole lot of fans who have fell who fell off, yeah, and they're the ones that I'm bringing back. They're the they're the they're the people who walk up to me in the street in places like North Carolina in the Mid Atlantic area and say, "Hey, I've seen what you've been doing. Keep it up, man. I'm a big fan." And like my grandfather was, a, you know, my grandfather used to take me to go see Harley Race, and my father used to take me to go see Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat, and now I'm going to go. To, I'm going to take my son to come and see you and Cody. I had those conversations with people. And you know what those people say every time? They go, I, I can't deal with the wrestling today. I don't get it. I don't like it. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that I'm agreeing with them. I'm saying that from a business standpoint, I'm bringing those people back. Go look at the YouTube comments on our YouTube videos, and you'll see that you'll see our very distinct fan base in support of me and what I represent. Okay? So if you, if you want to choose to live in a myopic bubble where – only the people that already follow you on social media and already buy your shit and already do all that stuff. If you want to live in that bubble where you're, you're, you're taking their opinion and trying to misrepresent that as the opinion of the entire world, then go ahead. I ain't got time for it. Okay. But again, it's like Marty said in the yesterday, proof is in the pudding. Okay. There's a whole lot more people coming to Concord than there was before. And I would put it to you. I would suggest to you that those extra people that are coming are my fans. And those fa- and fans of the product who have fallen off over re- in recent years. For case in point, I got word after I left TNA, an insider uh, from from the television network over there told me, "Do you know that when you lost the championship in TNA, that the ratings fell off a cliff, and then when you left the company, they fell off again?" I said, "I did not know that, but now I do." Okay, because there were certain people that were just with me for the fact that I represented something different. I represented because. Here's the thing. For so many years, okay, the guys who, this sort of myopic fan base, they like to, they like to categorize and characterize people like me as, as a cookie cutter or generic and all this kind of thing. Let me ask you something. How many guys do you see now that are you know, skinny fat with a beard and no, you know, no tan, tattoos, do a bunch of Japanese moves that they don't know, you know, that, 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 they, that they watch on some video? Okay, that's cookie cutter to me now. Guys, who look, I'm sorry, I'm not cookie cutter anymore. That may, have, that may have been true in the early 2000s, but it ain't true anymore. And when it comes down to it, when you look at the numbers, right? My see the numbers, man. When you look at the numbers for this business overall, okay, the general public, not just the myopic fan base, the general public prefer wrestlers who look like Batista, not a barista. Wow. Interesting. Uh, Nick, is Marty your best friend? 
He's de- yes, absolutely. After after listening to him yesterday, after listening to you today, no matter who wins, can you guys still be best friends after this? Yes, because we're professionals. Yeah, you know, but, we, but we wait, always... Nick, Nick, hold on. Just excuse me for one second. Um, I understand that you're professionals, and I can respect that. But you're calling him paranoid, and he's calling you paranoid, and you're not just kind of taking wrestling shots at one another. You're taking personal shots at one another. It almost feels like the relationship is starting to strain. It's We have always had a very open and honest relationship with one another. That's why, you know, as I'm sure you can relate to, Bully, in this business, you count your real friends on one hand. And most of the time, for me at least, they're the ones who will speak to me honestly and openly and allow me to do the same. We have always had uh, differing opinions and philosophies on the wrestling business, but we also respect and understand each other's success in our, with, with our approaches. And I know that's difficult for a lot of people to understand because in this social media era, everyone's so so hypersensitive about you know anything challenging their belief system that they can't understand when someone can actually just say, "I don't necess- it's not necessarily my favorite thing, but I can understand its success." And that's exactly where I'm coming from when it comes to what I just talked about before. Because when casual fans go to a show, if they see a guy who does uh, does a lot of indie style high spots and does Japanese stuff and does that does you know flippy stuff, whatever. They don't sit there and heckle him and go like, Bo, you suck, you can't wrestle, like, get off my say, blah, blah, blah. But the guys who like that kind of stuff, they'll do that when they see, when they see a guy who doesn't wrestle the way they like. Because those fans are, are, are they're, I think they're a little bit toxic, I'll be honest. Because they, they want to take control of the business and take over it, whereas it's an a la carte wrestling just the way they like it. Well, guess what? It's entertainment, okay? It's, 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 a, it's a variety show for everybody. All right. And what we've done better than anyone is we've put the sports back in sports entertainment, which is something that all these people would have claimed that they didn't want until we gave it to them. And then they went, oh, actually, we do like that. That's really cool. I'm so hyped for this match. Yeah, because we're putting the sports back in sports entertainment. That's our groove in the marketplace. That's what we identified from day one. We looked, went back and looked at how was the NWA different from the WWF in, in the 80s? It was like. The WWF is like like Cornette said. The WWF was the Harlem Globetrotters, and and, and the NWA was the Boston Celtics. And we said, how do we do that in the modern era? And that's how that's how Ten Pounds of Gold came about, and that's how our approach came about in general was that we wanted to put the sports back in sports entertainment and make it more of something that people could really sink their teeth into and suspend their disbelief and actually really feel like part of something special, big fight feel. And it's like what Bully always says, it's not sports entertainment, it's an entertaining sport, and the NWA definitely does that. Just before our interview, uh, one of our Nation members tweeted out, Marty Skrull, how do you feel about Dave LaGreca saying on Busted Open that you wouldn't respect the NWA world title like Nick Aldis? And Marty Skrull responded by saying, only one way to find out, and we're going to find that out at the NWA Crockett Cup this Saturday, April 27th. You'll be able to see it on Fight TV. And I'm telling you right now, Bully, this is definitely a matchup I cannot wait to see. The hell with the NFL draft. What I'm going to be watching this weekend is the Crockett Cup and Nick Aldis, your NWA champion, going up against Marty Skrull. And honest to God, from my heart, Nick Aldis, I really appreciate the time today, especially just before this big match this weekend. 
Hey, no worries. I appreciate the time as well. I always appreciate the time to come and help uh, help build our brand and help spread my message. And I appreciate your passion, and I, I hope you do the same for me. Yeah, Nick, great job. Good luck. Thank you. Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the Sirius XM app. Joining us right now is Hall of Famer and legendary... Not sports entertainer, I call her a wrestler, and that is Gail Kim. Gail, how are you today? Good, how are you guys? Excited to have you on and really looking forward to seeing you back in the ring on Sunday. I'm excited, I'm nervous, I have a lot of anxiety, Um, but that's just me because of my, I guess, what I demand of myself, you know. Gail, the last time that I saw you and we talked, <laughs> why are you laughing already? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like, <laughs> it's so funny. Everyone that knows, that, especially girls, when they know they're getting interviewed by Bubba, they're like, oh, boy, what's coming now? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's nothing bad, but it's honest. So the last, okay. time that me, the last time that me and you spoke, I believe, was at, uh, like, it might have been All In or, or some convention, and I asked you how you were feeling and... Um, if you wanted to, if, if you wanted to wrestle anymore and you looked at me and you said, Bubba, honestly, I only have one or two matches left in me. Yeah. You're coming out of retirement. Is this the one match that you think you have left in you? Yes, absolutely. hundred percent. And you know, a lot of, um, a lot of process had to go through finalizing this match, um, Number one, a lot of people ask me, do you miss it in the ring? And because I'm an agent for the girls, I always tell them, well, I actually don't miss it in the ring. And I'm kind of relieved because a lot of us wrestlers might go through a difficult transition period um, of missing it. And because I get to agent, I don't miss it. And my body is kind of like that reminder sometimes when I see a crowd that I want to be in front of or I see a girl that is so talented that I want to work with. And with Tessa... When I first saw her, it was like, she reminded me a lot of me, uh, just her passion for wrestling and wanting to be the best and a little bit of her style, I guess, a very aggressive. And I had, you know, interest in that. And then the company asked me and I said, well, I need to get two doctor clearances because I wasn't willing to take any chances of any time of long-term injury. And then once I got that, I was like, oh, they both gave me their blessing. And I said, okay, give me a couple of months notice to get in shape and in ring shape, that is. And um, now it's only a couple of days away now. <laughs> it's like crazy. Do you believe you are in the same ring shape that you used to be? Um, let's, gosh. Um, I definitely feel it a lot more. Taking over a year off has kind of messed, you know, it can mess with your head a little bit, to be honest. But I'm confident. I've been busting my ass, honestly, so hard uh just cardio wise is what i was a little bit more concerned about because let's face it tessa is like basically almost half my age and not only just half my age she's a phenomenal athlete at half my age so i knew what bar i had to raise myself to and i feel confident i'm i feel ready that's for sure now you mentioned they approached you but but gail knowing tessa blanchard and seeing tessa blanchard in the ring is there anybody else you would have come back for? Or are you really coming back because you have the opportunity to wrestle Tessa? 
Um, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, obviously, there are a lot of talented girls right now. Um, but a lot of them are in WWE, I'm not going to lie. Uh, really talented. Like, I love all the Asian girls over there. I love Asuka, Kyrie, and Io, and Charlotte. I mean, there's so many talented girls. Um, but right now, who's available to me? Absolutely. Tessa is the top of the list. Uh, I truly believe that she's probably the best female right now on the independent scene, skill-wise. Gail, you said that you've been training hard, you feel good, but you also said that yeah. Tessa is, you know, half your age, she's strong, mm-hmm. she's fast. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. she beat can she beat you? I mean, you just never know. That's what this match is for, right? To but, see But the Gail Kim that I know will always go into the ring ultra ultra confident. But Oh yeah, absolutely. you've been you've been out for a year. Does that make you more vulnerable than you've ever been before? Um, no, because I feel like where her disadvantage is her inexperience in the sense of her age. And what I look at, when I look at her, I see kind of me in the early years, and I feel like I'm way smarter now. You know, so I think experience can definitely level out that playing field, for sure, 100%. You know, Gail, we we talked about it a lot earlier in the show about, you know, some of your best matches and, you know, all the things that you've accomplished in your career and you're a Hall of Famer. You know, Pro Wrestling Illustrated named you the number one female wrestler in the world not that long ago. Like... Uh, Yeah, okay, a couple of years ago, years ago, yeah. Okay, so, but like when you look back at your career, is there anything you feel that you didn't accomplish? Was there anything that you might have regret that you were, that you weren't able to do during your career? Actually, no. I, I can honestly say I can look back and I feel so much satisfaction and peace and happiness. And the fact that I'm able to still be in this business in some way and contribute, I'm, I'm so grateful. I, I, thank my lucky stars that I, I I've been able to do this for so long. And, you know, as a woman in this business, it's getting better, but um, you know, to be an agent, there's very, you know, slim pickings there are opportunities. So I feel like it's, like I said, getting better, but uh, I'm just, I'm one of the only few females in the production meetings when we have the shows, you know, there's a couple of people on the crew and stuff, but uh, no other agents. So I, I, I kind of, you know, I'm very grateful and blessed. Yeah, I understand the no regrets, and I and I know this is not your fault, but don't yeah. you feel kind of slighted that you never got a chance to be the wrestler that you know you could have been in the WWE? Um, not now. No, maybe at one point in my career. I just look at it as, I always tell the fans who always say that to me at, you know, appearances, and, you know, I can't believe the way they treated you and whatever. I'm like, yeah. But you know what? This business is all about timing. And I was just never, I kind of just, you know, I kind of got a little bit of the golden era. I was lucky enough to be part of this whole knockout uh, revolution when it happened. And if I didn't get treated that way at WWE, I wouldn't have been able to accomplish what I did outside of the company. And I truly believe even at this point now, when the women's revolution is at the peak where the girls are main eventing WrestleMania, I feel like still I wouldn't have, if I stayed there, I wouldn't have had the, the type of matches that I had in Impact with Kong, with Taryn, 
Like, I still don't see those kinds of matches necessarily happen. There's a couple here and there. Um, but I just don't, I don't know. I still don't. <laughs> I think that there's a women's revolution going on, but I truly don't know if Vince truly is a believer in it. You know what I mean? He's doing what the fans want and are demanding. But, you know, he's an older man. I mean, he's set in his ways. And I don't think his belief system has changed in his head. So, and and I've talked about this many times before, and people are really sick of hearing it. But, um, you know, the fact that I'm an ethnic woman, uh, in WWE, I feel like it's definitely um, a waiting game for most in terms of, okay, well, let's see how long you can wait it out to get a push. And in my mind, I was like, I started at the age of 23, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I felt like my clock was literally ticking. Like, I don't have time to wait five years for a push. And even then, will I get that push as an ethnic woman? And I didn't know that. So I had to leave, you know, for, for me and my sake of my happiness. So I'm, I'm very satisfied. Gail, what's better about Impact Wrestling right now than a year ago? Oh, boy, I think it's really turned around in terms of, I mean, the biggest difference that I find is the fan response. So, yes, uh, I think people are a little disappointed that they can't, we, we're not on a bigger network maybe, you know, because we used to be on Spike, and that was probably the height of our success at that time in terms of where we were seen. So now most people watch us on Twitch, and so some people can say, will say, I don't know where to find you, but the people that do watch – I mean, it's really turned around because at one point a couple of years ago, everyone just wanted to hate us, no matter what, even whether they watched the product or didn't watch the product. And now I feel like it's so positive from other people in the industry, other wrestlers, uh, fans, and how much they enjoy the product so much more, the storytelling, the creative. Um, In terms of the women, I always say, you know, right now WWE is a good place for women, I guess, you know, in terms of the revolution and everything. But Impact has never stopped utilizing the women. And, you know, for the past year, it's been at least two storylines for women and incorporating the other women into men's storylines as well. So I love that they're basically utilizing all the women that they can. Normally, we have eight girls at a taping around there, if not more, and they're all working. So that's just great news to see. You know, Gail, you mentioned something that that I find very, very interesting, and and you mentioned mm-hmm. about you know, and 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 maybe there's fans and people that don't want to hear about it, but I think it's something that definitely needs to be stated. And you mentioned about the obstacles that you had as an ethnic woman. Mm-hmm. Do you feel yeah. that over time, and do you feel now that like somehow that these barriers have been broken, or do you still think it's a stigma in the world of pro wrestling? It depends what promotion you're in, definitely. Um, I guess it all depends on the individual, but I still think that we've got a long way to go. Um, luckily, when I got to Impact Wrestling, I wasn't viewed as an ethnic woman. I was just Gail, to be honest. That's how I always felt I was treated. Um, now, my time in WWE, I felt like an ethnic. I felt like, yeah, I'm different. And it was just amazing to see the difference in how you feel and then the comfort level and then the ease of who you can be as a performer when you're allowed to be yourself. And that's where I succeeded the most and that's where I, you know, thrived the most. So um, I hope that it improves. Um, I would like to see, for example, I heard that 
Kyrie Sane is put with Asuka on SmackDown recently on her debut. I'm like, you know what? We've seen them always grouped together. They're both impressive singles competitors, and that's what I would love to see, to see them be their own person. But who knows? I mean, if this works, this works. I, I don't want to crap on it before I see anything, right? That's I just fair. hope for the best. No, that's definitely yeah. fair. No doubt. Gail, you mentioned about the women in Impact Wrestling being involved in some of the men's stuff. How do you yeah. feel how do you feel about intergender matches and men and women getting physical with one another? Yeah. Um uh, my view on that is I'm okay with it as long as the story fits the the feud or program or whatever you want to call it. Um if it makes sense, then I'm okay. I'm not one for cuz this generation, you know, wrestling has really changed. And now it's so much more fast-paced, high spots. And um, I don't want to see something that doesn't make sense, where the girl's just flipping the guy around, throwing him around. And um, I'm okay on a rare occasion. I don't want to see it full-time at all. I don't think it it's realistic. I'm all about being realistic in this business, so, for the most part. Okay, but could Gail Kim, the wrestler wrestle john morrison the wrestler in a one-off wrestling match i mean if you wanted me to i guess and but i would definitely um i mean i wrestled tigre uno in impact wrestling 101 and i thought that the match came out great i was happy with it and i thought that we told a good story you know and i don't think it was not believable so I was okay with that. But, I mean, I don't want to do it as a regular thing. I like wrestling females. I, I like that interaction. I don't – I wouldn't say no, but I'd want it to be right. Gotcha. You know, Gail, earlier in the show, I was talking about the match that you had with Taryn Terrell at Slammiversary back in 2013. And it's it's such yeah. a great match. And, unfortunately, over time, it kind of gets overlooked. And, and, I, yeah. and I feel that's almost a crime. And I, and I think Taryn Terrell, when you look at Taryn Terrell, she's somebody, when you talk about great pro wrestlers, you don't mention the name Taryn Terrell. You've wrestled so many people in your career. Are there certain women that you feel don't get the credit they deserve that you faced in the ring? Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, I mean, Taryn was definitely one of them. Um, I think people were totally surprised and that was kind of the turning point in terms of how they viewed her and I knew what her strengths were and we really played them up and she I mean she did her part I mean to an incredible degree she's one of my favorite opponents of all time we just had an amazing chemistry almost everything I'd say every single time we're in the ring it was just that trust within each other um and we're now of course share a special bond to this day um i'm trying to think of who else would be i mean i don't feel like anyone was really underrated that i wrestled i feel like i had really good chemistry with most of the girls i wrestled of course you know there's always going to be that one match here and there where it's bad but i i'm really proud of that was always my goal in my career was to show that i could wrestle with any type of girl at any time no matter what style, size, or whatever it was. You know, that that was my goal. So, Gail, last one from me. You talked about yeah. the, the match that you had with Taryn. Obviously, Dave remembers it. I remember it. Fans remember it. You remember it. Can you yeah. top that match 
against Tessa Blanchard <laughs> this weekend? Well, this is the whole thing about matches, and this is I don't know if you're the same way, Bubba, but you know when you've had a match and you come back and you have that feeling because you haven't watched it, you just feel it, so you're like, oh, well, it was okay. And then you go back and you watch, and it's like, oh, it was so much better than I thought. Or it goes the opposite way. I thought it was great. And then you go back and you're like, eh, you know, you kind of tear it apart. So I think you can't really compare in a way because I think when we went into that match with Taryn, there were almost low expectations for it or no expectations for it. So it's easy to exceed those expectations. But now with Tessa, I think people are expecting a lot. And so that's why I guess I feel the pressure because my need for perfectionism and, you know, to blow the fans away. And I will tell you, though, um, I've heard a couple. I think people, I can't tell what the expectations are. I know some, I'd say 50-50. I think some people think that, yeah, I'm 42. I've been not in the ring for over a year. So the expectations are kind of, eh, you know, I don't know. Um, but I hope to exceed that and blow them away. And, you know, you know me, Bubba, I'm, I'm not going to hold back. If I'm coming back for a match, I'm going balls to the wall. I love it. And I think you just sold us on the match that's taking place on <laughs> Sunday. Again, it's Gail Kim yeah. against Tessa Blanchard. The pay-per-view is Rebellion. And, again, it's this Sunday. You can see it on pay-per-view and the Fight TV app. And, Gail, it's always a pleasure talking to you. And good luck on Sunday. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Catch us weekdays on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.